0: well welcome to the loud and live sports podcast uh i'm matt o'keefe uh, and i have a couple special guests uh obviously our consistent co-host uh time con- uh, consecutive games champion matthew fraser what's up how you doing hey buddy and uh we have scott stallings um and we're gonna dig in on scott today and and uh but i will start with scott's a uh, uh, is it 10-year PJ tour pro Right. 10 year, 10 year PGA tour, touring professional, um, and a three time champion on the PGA tour. Uh, we'll give some context to, to that when we, we have this discussion, which is big time winning on the tour alone is a, a crowning career achievement, uh, played majors toured the world, um, and happens to also be someone that has taken a, a strong interest in, in put fitness into his life and CrossFit particularly. So, uh, welcome scott and thanks for taking the time
1: yeah man thank you guys for having me Matt, it's a pleasure i enjoy watching everything that you do and you guys put out and uh, appreciate you guys having me on
0: absolutely now t- t- tell us a little bit about what's uh let's just you know in general what's going on in your world i mean we uh the world's at a halt and um you know so that you know obviously the golf hasn't been immune i will tell you that massachusetts announced today that golf courses are open matt fraser you'll be excited to know i can golf now um oh good for you <laughs> Essential businesses right yes it's now essential but um it's exciting times but yeah tell us a little bit what's going on in your world uh, with golf
1: yeah i mean we just slowly but surely got back into it uh we're You know, uh, tentatively scheduled to play, start back uh, June 11th, so that's, you know, just over roughly five weeks. And, you know, playing and practicing, I was talking to you right before we started. I'm at my coach's house today, uh, playing and practicing just north of Atlanta. and You know, slowly but surely kind of dipping your toe back into it. And we've done it as long as I have. You know, like, I know what I need to do to get ready. And, you know, it kind of becomes more of a mental side is making sure that I I look forward to going back in there and, you know, kind of get an opportunity to step away that we've had the last few weeks that, you know, we've never had ever in our career that everyone just kind of got put on hold and um, done some stuff I've never done before in my life, Uh, you know, from a training side to uh, uh, working around my house. Uh, We just moved into a new house in June and. Uh, I've done some. I rented a wood chipper and I cut down more trees than I've ever cut down in <laughs> my life. And my wife's calling. My wife. Wa- my wife's calling our insurance guy. Like, man, making sure my life insurance is paid <laughs> and all this and that. It is shockingly easy to get incredibly, incredibly pieces, incredibly dangerous pieces of equipment. I'm I, shocked.
2: I, I do that <laughs> I every. In my
1: dri- I got just showed up in my driveway.
2: <laughs> I, I do that every year right after the games. I do like a month and i just go on on the, like i have a chunk of property in vermont and it's just like i get a chainsaw and some like heavy equipment and just go nuts and yeah, like you show my, up to rent and heavy equipment there's no background check they don't check to see no. if you're capable of driving it nothing they just no, give it to you
1: the guy showed up and he's he said uh i'm gonna show you how to turn it on um and he's like, all right, you, you feel good. I was like, yeah. He said last question. I was like, all right, here comes the speech and you know, safety and this, and that. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you have a, do you have a big gas tank? I was like, yeah, I got five gallons. He's like, perfect. I'll see you Friday. <laughs> and that <Yeah>. was it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. my, I, I just went inside and my wife's like, uh, how was that? I was like, it's shockingly scary that they just yeah. gave this to me and just have at it, man. Uh and go oh yeah, backhoes,
2: tractors, excavators—you yeah. can rent whatever you want. No, there's no creditation yeah. to anything. Feel like that's the start
0: of, of the
2: ending.
1: Yeah, of a I, piece I don't, of I don't have story. a background in any of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was shocked, but, but it's been a good time. I've got two young kids. I have a seven-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. So, kind of managing some of the homeschool. You know, like every other state, <laughs> you know, Tennessee's kind of been you know just dealing with everything and i've kind of been managing our daughter uh, while my son's doing the uh school thing with my with our older child and um just kind of keeping her busy and going on but it's been a good time for all of us um i think everyone's kind of getting to the point where you know sports are starting to become a little bit more of a possibility and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to to get going here soon
0: what's that um you know honestly i and i'll have some t- training questions both of us well for you i think it's what does that look like you know you know obviously you know similarly for matt it was you know thrust into i don't know you know when you know and and certainly his lungs are required for you know his profession so there's a there's a lot of runway on being fit or not you know he you know he knows throughout his career on how to you know keep it a little and then bring it on you know what is that like for you i asked you this earlier i said you know do you roll out of bed and hit it good and you know, hit it straight and where you want to like, you know, give some context. I think a lot of listeners understand golf through television. Um, you know, but you know, I'm, I love golf, so I have a greater understanding of it, but you know, I think they look at people like you and they're like, well, they just must hit it exactly where they want all the time. And obviously there's a lot more to the game, but what does that look like when in the time the yeah, you, you didn't hit balls for 30 days? Like what is it, what is it like to get ready?
1: Yeah. A, a lot of it, man, is just kind of getting back into a routine and knowing, you know, what it is. And to be honest, man, I like I said before we started, I, I that's the longest I've taken off without actually touching the club uh, in my career, and I, man, that first day I got back, it was like a kid, and you know, kind of getting back to you know, at some point, whatever we we did for a living, especially at a high level, we did it based out of a love and a passion for what we do, and and trying to develop that even as you know, I get older and older and, and longer in my career, you know, just figuring out ways to you know, ways to get better and understand that when you go to work, you know, you look forward to it. And uh, I've, d- I've done a lot of different things practicing uh, you know, over the course of the years, but you know, I-, I wish to say that we all rolled out and we hit it great. And But uh, there's some times we always, I never judge the first week. Cause I've had first weeks where I felt like 2000 Tiger Woods. It's like, I'm going to win every tournament. And then that like eighth day hits. And it's like reality just slaps you in the face. And you're like, you sick. <laughs> and uh, like that stuff starts to come back in. But man, I, I know what I need to do to get ready just like anyone high level athlete does, especially when you've done it for a long time. You know, I need to be sharp around the greens. I need to you know, the mental process needs to be good and I need to know when the gun goes off that, you know, what I what I do is ready and I, I feel prepared and you know be good to go, you know, when and if you know, June eleventh really does happen or not, but I have no control over that. I I can control you know, what I do each and every day and to that I will be ready when we do get an opportunity to play again.
2: Mm-hmm. So when when you just mentioned that you just took 30 days off and that's the longest you've ever taken off in your career. Is that a like you've never wanted to take time off or is it that your season is just like always you're always training for the next thing
1: yeah so we this the way golf and nascar have the two longest basically calendar years so we have the the regular season that goes from basically early september all the way through uh thanksgiving and then we have a six five to six week off and that's our longest off season of the year Mm -hmm. and then we play through the playoffs in (laughs) august and then based on how you play all the way into the playoffs there's a uh, there's truly a a chance where the fedex cup champion you have off week and the next week that season starts over again so you got to find some breaks in there and opportunities to kind of get away from it and i think literally anybody that said that that first 30 days was a pure grind session Driving range, playing, practicing—they're full of it. They're 100% lying because <laughs> I think everyone looked at it, it's like, oh, I get a chance to take a break, and basically everyone else has to take a break too. Just from the just the monotony of what we do day in, day out, and week in, week out, the players was going to be my first of eleven out of thirteen of uh, weeks on the road. So I was getting ready to get into the meat of my season, and. Yeah so basically you know, like training up to the games or regionals or whatever and then all of a sudden it's like and then you just sit there and wait when am I going to get a chance to do this again um you wouldn't I don't know if you know everyone's a little bit different but I wouldn't go right back into just you know beating balls and doing the stuff I need to do to get ready for a stretch like that Mm -hmm. I would take a break and kind of know that Looking, at, especially looking at it from a physical standpoint, I was going to have a chance to do some stuff in season that I've never had a chance to do in my life. You know, we basically we don't have a, a, enough time in off season to kind of you know if you want to periodize a, st- a strength training schedule or yeah you know a, any kind of cardio training schedule. We basically have to piecemeal it in week in week out and make our best guess of how I'm feeling, how many weeks I've been on the road, and you know, kind of make do with what we have just because we play some really, really, really long stretches. So there were some interesting phone calls to be had. And, um, I was telling Matt O'Keefe before you got on Matt Frazier that I trained with a UFC fighter and a a buddy of ours that catches for the nationals. And we all got on a call. Basically we all got shut down. It's like, we got a chance to train in the midst of our, the peak of our careers that we'll never have again. So what do we Mm want to do? Mm -hmm. And everyone was just like, let's go. Like, yeah. what does that look like? like I mean, we're going to lift heavy. We're going to run far. We're going to, we're going to do all the stuff that never in our life. If you'd have told me in, you know, mid April, I'd be running a half marathon just for the heck of it. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, you're nuts. And it was like, sure, man, we ran 18 miles. Just like, why not? Yeah, We're never going to have a chance to do this. Yeah, you, have, and, you have
2: the time to recover before, right. before you need to be on the course again
1: yeah absolutely like i wouldn't do that if i was you know playing a tournament tomorrow but i wasn't playing a tournament for two months you know so what and just some different things like that you know some training volume i'm by no means training comparing my training volume to someone of matt's caliber but for us i mean golf was not a, a focus it was more just general physical fitness you know, work on i had some golf swing stuff that you know some physical limitations. Basically, just going through some of the stuff that I went through is my physical transformation of you know going from roughly about 260 pounds to about 185 190. Just dealing with yeah, some that, stuff that's like bit that. of the
2: transformation
1: that I
0: <laughs> I've been there.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, just the the physicality. You know, I'm I, I'm stronger at 190 than I was at 250, and I move better. But that necessarily isn't a good thing, and you know, trying to adjust and just the different things that kind of go along with that, and some time to be able to work on those things has been has been great. And you know, we worked with some stuff with my coach today, and mm-hmm. there's some ways to kind of look at back at some old videos, and it's just like, man, I don't even, I don't know who that guy is, and you know, I was so how
2: long know. how long ago did you did you lose all that weight?
1: It was a process, man. Um, You know, basically 20, like end of 2015, kind of had a self-realization. I had a bunch of health problems and kind of be able to kind of sort through the weeds and kind of, you know, figure it out. But the Mm -hmm. end of, probably the end of 2015, I was probably right about 250. And I kind of started training and started getting, I got to know Rich pretty well. We both went to Tennessee Tech and started kind of, you know, I had a lot of access to people that were, very knowledgeable in the world of fitness, mm-hmm. it's not just CrossFit, but just fitness and health and fitness in general. And uh started kind of dipping my toe and getting an idea of what that looked like. And December of twenty seventeen, uh Froning sent me a text and said, I just started a diet. <laughs> I was like, if that guy's on a diet, i definitely yeah. to be on a diet <laughs> and introduced me to the RP strength guys. And oh, okay, I was yeah. uh, So uh January twenty eighteen I was two thirty two and twenty six percent and I finished the year that was yeah, January seventh or eighth or whatever, and I finished the season. I got knocked out of the playoffs in Boston, which is our second playoff event, and I was one hundred eighty-four and ten and a half. So wow.
0: Nick Shaw yeah, pretty has, big change. Nick, Nick Shaw helped my abs show up at one point too. They disappeared again, but uh, LP, <laughs> he's a he's a great guy. I'm glad to hear yeah. you. Yeah, talk I, about. I've, Go ahead. I've,
1: I've, met, I've met Nick uh, and done some stuff with those guys, but actually, my uh, the guy that I worked with, I've never met him. But man, you got to send another grown man a picture of you and your weight in your underwear every Monday morning at seven a.m. <laughs> man, you are going to freaking get after it. Maybe um, I don't. I don't know if it was necessarily the programming and the diet, but it was like, man, I got to send this guy this picture. Like, I mean, it could be one of you.
2: You, you, you just know that that shameful guys, Monday photo no is coming. Fear <laughs> yeah. factor. Fear is a great equalizer. Yeah, like
1: you had a you 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 had a rough Sunday or then that and you're like, Oh crap, I got to do this again. Um, and you'd go in there, but Christian Carter, you're out there watching this. I appreciate you, man. You helped me a ton <laughs> and you know, Nick and his team over there have been, have been great. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but you know, no, no, interesting I interesting story about sending pictures in my underwear to uh, yeah. a, <laughs> a complete stranger.
0: You're, <laughs> um, you're talking about something that, I, that I'd like to talk about because I think it's, um you know, I've been a fan of the, the the tour since I was a kid, and, you know, I remember one of the first things I ever watched, uh, one of my first sports memories is the Jack Nicklaus winning the Masters in 86, and, um you know, I remember what a golfer looked like then, right, and, and it was uh, very different than what a golfer looks like now, and you sort of, you know, obviously Tiger became this, like, you know, physical fitness freak, and, you know, some would argue that has even debilitated him a little in his career but you know and and but i know the tour overall has changed in the body type and the training and it's nutrition-based sleep you know everything is now something that you guys pay attention to and you know that golfers in the the 70s 70s and 80s were smoking you know it was a big drinking crowd Mm -hmm. and everybody was just the shape they were there wasn't a lot of fitness going on you were a part of that sort of revolution in, in the game and now, you know, there's trailers that travel around with you guys that you can work out in before you you play. What's that like now? I know, like, you know, Dustin Johnson's a freak. You know, uh, Rory loves to, you know, get after fitness, and he's a, Matt and Rory are both Nike athletes. Uh, um, you know, Brooks Kepka, those guys all work out before they play. Is that something you do? But, like, what, what, what's that transition been like? Is that what inspired you? Is it others? Like, you know, I know it's a big piece of the tour now.
1: Yeah. I mean, whether they look like it or not, everyone's doing something. You can't have that much repetitive motion from just a physicality standpoint Mm -hmm. and, and handle the wear and tear, especially if you don't have the, you know, the almost like muscle endurance to just build up some resiliency. I mean, we're all going to deal with adversity, you know, all throughout our season. It's just kind of who manages best Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I've seen a bunch of Matt's interviews and you know anyone that trains at that, the highest level. I mean, you know you're going to hurt. It's just who can hurt the less and the least and kind of endure it the most. And, you know, those guys ultimately deal with it and come out on top. And I, I think, you know, by no means we're comparing ourselves to that kind of physicality. But we have so much repetitive motion and uh, one-sided activity. You just don't have enough time in the day to kind of counter that. So you do everything you possibly can in the gym and training room and stuff to just try to counteract those kind of things. I was working with the PT this morning before I came to practice. I mean, I was practicing for probably eight hours today. That was my first like big day in a long, long time. And just try to make sure, that, you know, from a physicality standpoint, I was going to go in there and be able to get the most out of my day and know what that kind of looked like. But I mean, everyone's doing something. Everyone has different training goals or different training methodologies they follow, whether it's, you know, powerlifting or just general, I, mean, I know guys that just follow bodybuilding protocols. I mean, they're trying to, for whatever reason, that's their thing. And then the idea of cross programming and just the way that it worked, you know, sort of kind of came to me a little bit because it was different. It was fast. It was basically the total opposite of what I dealt with every single day. Golf can be very long, can be very slow, can be very mundane. And the idea that I can go spend six, eight hours in a practice schedule and I can go in 30 minutes and literally not be able to breathe (laughs) or even less than that in some (laughs) workouts and Mm -hmm. just learning how to um, just manage that. And that became super interesting to me. And I actually did a, a interview yesterday with a teaching instructor and, I don't know if he was necessarily trying to bait me into, you know, Hey, CrossFit sucks for golfers. And I just said, man, have you ever thought to a certain point that, um, not everything in my life revolves around what I do for a living. And I just think that people see super high level athletes and they think 24 seven, all I think about is my job Mm -hmm. is my job a priority. Is it something that I am passionate about and continually want to get better at, but there's also things I need to do to get away. and, I mean, Matt, you can speak to this as well. You know, you know, you're the fittest guy in the world, but you're you're 24 seven, 365 days a year. You have to figure out a way to get away from that. And every yeah, person have to.
2: I mean, that that's something I'm I've been dealing with over probably the last year or two. Um, was you know after after my 2015 season, I just said like you know screw this, I don't want this to be my story. And so it's like. I was like, this is a short period of my life. At the time, I thought I would have been retired for a couple of years by now. So I was willing to go like, all right, I'm going to take one or two years and just do every decision is going to revolve around winning the games. And so my life became very simple. It was like, if there was a decision to be made, I only made the decision that was going to make me better at the games. But then, you know, three, four years in, you're kind of like, okay, like there's more to life than just this, you know, that, like that three or four days in the year, it doesn't define my life. I need to start doing some stuff for me. Um, so, you know, it's starting to try to find that line of, okay, like this eight hours in the day is going to revolve around my career, my sport competing. And then I give myself a couple hours and then, you know, like, this whole shutdown, we, we took like the month of April and yeah, we were training, but we went, went to a buddy's lodge and, you know, we brought some equipment with us and it's not, we're not training in like an affiliate where we have anything and everything we need. But, you know, it was like, okay, well, we don't have a competition for a while. Let's, let's live a little bit of life for us, you know? Um, but yeah, hundred percent. I mean, people think that every decision, every single thing revolves around that. It's like, ah, uh, no, like I still got a life, you know, I, there's still some other interests in my life that I want to tend to.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, by, it's always in the back of your mind. I think anyone that does anything at the highest level, many you're aware of it, but it's also too like, man, I, I, you want to get to the point where you enjoy going back into it. It's like, man, I can't wait to get in that competition mm-hmm. again. I can't wait to hear my name called. I can't wait to feel that. But also, like, I got to take a figure out ways to step back. And early in my career, man, I'd go play six, seven weeks in a row, take one day off, right back to it. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> I didn't, uh, I, and, and, and in all honesty, man, I didn't know what else to do. I didn't – I didn't. there wasn't any priority. I didn't have any kids. My wife and I were just kind of doing whatever. And um, so, you know, different things kind of come into life as far as how it flows along. But it's definitely been, you know, through this time, I think – people have figured out a way to prioritize and, you know, figure out other things to kind of go into it. I remember talking to a friend of mine that plays on tour. Uh, he was like seven days in. he's like, man, I don't know how to just not go practice. Like, I don't know how to like, yeah, not, I don't know how to sleep past eight and, uh, not, you know, train and practice and, you know, play 36 holes a day. I was like, I do.
2: <laughs> I do. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's funny but, though. But also, like, like, when, you, when that's your routine for years Like I know for me, it's like when I take an off day, when I take a complete rest day, I don't do anything. I love it. Like I live for my rest days and I do nothing because and I'm able to enjoy it because I know the next day I'm right back in the grind. I know that okay, in like when I wake up, it's like I got whatever it is, 14 hours and then I'm back to training. But then if I take if I take a second day off, then it's just full depression. Like I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to yeah. do with my time. I don't know how to relax. I don't know how to sit still. It's so foreign to me. Um, but yeah, that, that was one thing. It was interesting that you said, you know, I want to make sure that when I come back from my off season that I want to go back to training. I want to go back to competing. Because that's something I've said for years, you know. I know I'm one of few that takes a proper off season. I don't do anything. I don't have a diet. I don't have a sleep schedule. I don't train, stretch, nothing. I step away and it's never a set amount of time. And it's always like when people ask, how much time do you take off? I say, I take off time until I want to come back. Sometimes it's two weeks. Sometimes it's two months. And and basically I take my off season until I hate myself, until I've gotten too fat. <laughs> and I know like, I just feel so out of shape that I'm like, I want to go back is start exercising again. It usually takes one photo at a bad angle, like with a group of friends where I just look like super bloated. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, okay, I should I should get back in the gym. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I I took, uh, you know, everyone will look at 2020 and be like, oh, corona or whatever you want yeah, to call yeah. it. And yeah. and kind of take it as like an asterisk. But the long, I took, right after uh, Thanksgiving, we've got that, you know, four to six weeks off um and i took 3 weeks um you know did family stuff holiday stuff still trained like gym stuff but by no means zero golf whatsoever and i was making fun of some of my friends uh that are not professional golfers just you know average golfers that just love to play every single day and they were talking about being golf sore and I was like golf sore like I've never like I have heard it all but I can imagine Matt knows first couple after that two months and that first couple of days in the gym you're like what did I just do to myself
2: oh, so so for four, <laughs> for 4 years now every time I go back into the gym the f- like the first week back I like I O'Keefe has to talk me off the ledge. Like I'll talk to him and I'm like, dude, I, I did too much. I went too far this year. I lost it. I'm not fit anymore because like I have, I have like certain workouts that I'll do when I first come back. And I know, you know, they'll be on like a rower or like certain intervals. So there's no opinion on, oh, did I do it? Well, did I not? It's like, no, hold this pace for this amount of time. And you can kind of check the box. kind of takes the thinking out of it when you're first coming back. And I'll, I'll be quitting workouts halfway through like I'm five minutes in and I just like walk away. I'm like, I I lost it. I'm done. You know, (laughs) it happens every year and it is so discouraging. And every year I'm like, why do I do this to myself? But then sure enough, like a week back, you know, your lungs start start getting back and you just get back in the routine of, you know, waking up, have not eating pizza for breakfast and you know, acting yeah. like a normal human
1: <laughs> yeah I, I went down uh to jupiter right before i started my season in palm springs which was the second week of january but i went back right after, a week after christmas i went down to jupiter and practiced with some guys and i literally basically the equivalent of what you were saying i went from not doing anything for about a month to full training like you know a month out of the games and you're just like I'm ready i just go right back into it no yeah. big deal and the first four days i was down there i was like i feel fine you know i i, I made sure i was sleeping you know i was training through it in the gym making sure i was feeling good and that fifth day and i felt like i had run over by every semi truck in the state of florida yeah. <laughs> and i was like i remember calling my wife and my kids in the morning and my wife's like you look awful i was like i feel <laughs> that's
2: always I, that's I, always encouraging when your loved ones yeah, tell you the truth yeah. I'm like <laughs> yeah I was like,
1: I don't don't know how I look, but if you could imagine, I feel worse than that. And like my back hurt and I was like, all right, I made fun of those guys. Karma got me. I made fun of my friends from being golf golf sore and (laughs) I just went right back into it. And, uh, but just like you said, three or four days took one day, kind of worked on my body a little bit and man, I was like right back into it. No big deal. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I've 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 learned my lesson. I've gotten punched in the face enough times. (laughs) doing this. And now it's like, I remember, forget if it was this year or last year, I took such a long off season. I wasn't even in the routine of going to the gym. And so I literally told myself like, all right, today I don't need to work out, but I need to go to the gym. So I found out when my friends were going, like when they got out of work, like 5 30, whatever it was. And I just went, went to the gym and they were like, oh, all right, what workout you want to do? I'm like, oh, I'm not doing anything. I'm here to watch you guys work out. This is like baby steps. I'm going to the gym, not doing anything yet. And I did that for like two or three days. And then the next day was like, I'm going to back squat 135 and I'm going to bench 135. And then like literally just baby steps back into it. Oh yeah. Yeah, If if I take too long of an off season, it's rough.
1: Yeah. One of my really good friends um, that is another guy that's trained with us through this whole quarantine is a lightweight 155 UFC fighter. And he walks around fairly close to mine. He's a little bit shorter than me, but probably walks around about 180, 185. So yeah. I mean he, he is dialed. Like I, yeah. I was at his last fight in New Mexico, and just to see someone's body like in person like that, you're like, holy cow.
2: Especially when and he does the same thing like twenty five yeah. pounds heavier. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. And
1: and then to go in and, you know, even he won his fight, he came back and you know, even he knew when we were training at my house and going into it and he would just show up exactly the same. He's like, if I don't keep this part of my routine,
2: mm-hmm.
1: when I st- if I just completely get away from it, like I'm going to forget how to do all this. The first day we were doing these uh biker intervals and like it, it was, I don't know, we were dying. And he sat there and ate donuts, <laughs> like while we were while we were working out. He's like, "I made it here. Don't judge me." Yeah. And he's sitting there. He's like, "That looks hard. Oh, that there's looks worse." And wrestlers, just just, wrestlers,
2: and fighters are on a different level when it comes <laughs> to like there. after after they compete. Like it's one thing for us. Like you know, like our diets are dialed in. You know, we usually eat pretty healthy and stuff. But for them, oh my, dude! I so I for four years, I lived with like all the top wrestlers in the country, you know, at the Olympic training center and the Olympic education center. And these guys are going through these weight cuts where it's like for a week, they'll eat like two tomatoes. And then that's it. And I remember watching them make, they kept notes. They like each had a sheet of paper and they would write down all the food that they were craving during the weight cut. So that immediately after the fight, they would just like go and on a shopping spree and buy everything I've never seen yeah. people put on weight and blow up so quick. Like they just, they'll walk around 180, drop down to 155, and then shoot up to 210. It is yeah, like, the wings are <laughs> crazy.
1: Yeah, I, I, I did a, uh, I said, man, I just want to understand from your mentality, like, you know, there there's a lot of aspects of about my job and my career that doesn't involve an incredible amount. There is a mental grind that goes into it. And there's, uh, you know, just, uh, dealing with everything that comes your way day in day out. I said, but I just want to just feel like, just put myself in physical suffering, not from training. Mm -hmm. So I went through a three hour weight cut with him. He put me through it. And I was like, you know, the sweat thing, the sauna blanket, the, yeah. You know, the basically you're single skip jump roping and you feel like you're a hundred years old
2: you're oh like, yeah what
1: is happening to me and i just i just wanted to feel like how to just mentally get through that
2: so and how much how much weight did you lose in that three hours it,
1: it, ten pounds oh,
2: pounds isn't that yeah. crazy to know that you're physically yeah. capable of doing that
1: it, it it was it was incredible man um like but just like you said those guys are completely different different animals. But yeah. one of my buddies last fights, we went with him. We got a, pl- we got a place in town that we go eat at. And we had, we, we, after he fights, we go to this one place, let us know that we're, we're coming in. And we, it was, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon, we had one beer at lunch and we flipped a coin to see who drove home. Cause we all felt so bad. <laughs> and just, <laughs> I, 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 I have never seen a human eat like that. And like I feel like I could hold my own like I may not yeah. eat like that like I used to back in the day but I mean it's still in there if it, if it need be.
2: They they've but, been dreaming about that moment for like <laughs> 10 days of like oh next time I get to eat I'm going to eat everything.
1: Yeah, he basically mm. about 2 weeks out he just communicates in like food emojis. <laughs> <laughs> it's like man man I hope I hope training's going well donut. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs>
2: So, so but so when, when he pushed you through that weight cut, um like what what was involved with that? I, I want to hear more about this because it is so interesting to me.
1: So I I was telling Matt O'Keefe earlier, our other friend is the catcher for the Nationals, and they were in the midst of the World Series, and I was like, Man, let's watch a World Series game and watch our buddy play. Uh and I said, I'll just do it. You can sit there, and he had just fought too. Um, <laughs> so he was just living the high life, and he was like Sure, I'll watch our buddy's World Series game and put you through hell. Like, yeah. awesome. Sounds great. And so I'd had a suit. I had, like, full sweats. I had the sauna suit. Um, I had, like, a toboggan. And I did 20 minutes in the sauna blanket. Like, you start off. Well, you, you, I had a biker and uh, a jump rope. And I think I had, like, a 10-pound, like, Dynamax ball. Mm-hmm. And we're just going through, just trying to just build up a little bit of heat. And then I had 20 minutes, and then he had a timer and I'd come out for about five minutes. And in all honesty, the the blanket was not bad. Like I've done sauna stuff. I've done heat, hot, cold contrast. And uh, I definitely prefer cold more than hot. But I, the thing that I hated is for my livelihood, if I mess my hands up, like, I am screwed. Mm-hmm. And I, once he told me I could take my hands out of the blanket. So I just kind of stuck them out to the side. I felt like I could do it a long time, but I guess, you know, he's done a million of them. So he, after three hours, he kind of knows like, man, if someone's never done this, this guy's about to feel really bad. Yeah. 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 So, but it was, I mean, about like 20 minutes on in the blanket. I just lay in there, just literally sweating. What
2: What, what is a sauna blanket?
1: It is, it's a, basically like a heavy, uh, sleeping bag that's got heating coils all the way through it. You basically can oh. zip it up all, all the way through your neck.
2: Oh, okay. It's like one of those like personal sauna, like the portable yes. saunas. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking yeah.
1: about. Yeah. And they, and they, you basically, he, I got in there and he just covered me in towels and I was like, what are you doing, man? He's like, yeah. we just got to keep, we got to keep the heat off of you. I was like, I thought I want heat. It's like, no, like, hmm. like burn, burn you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh yeah, let's do yeah, more of this yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And you're just in there, just taking it like it's, you know, you don't really think about it, and then you get out, and he pulls this towel and he just wring it like, yeah. that just came out. And, of me. Like, well, and that was me. But uh, yeah, and it was just more uh, just an interest <laughs> to me, like wanting to know, you know, kind of. All right, I'm going to be uncomfortable. You know, how long can I deal with it? Am I going to, you know, take mm-hmm. a knee? Am I going to just push through it? Am I going to, you know, just embrace uncomfortable moments and just come out better on the other side? Mm-hmm. We played in San Diego earlier this year, and I've gotten to know uh, Bridges pretty well out there, and you know, training with him a few times. And I had a red eye, and I got done playing in the afternoon. I was like, man, I'm just coming to your house, and we did this contrast. He had a 32 degree ice tub, yeah, 200 degree barrel sauna, and we were just back yeah. and forth <laughs> it's like what are we doing man
2: <laughs> like, oh no um, I, I i do that four or five times a week i got yeah. got the cold tub on this side sauna on that yeah. side and it, yeah like just, you put just the timer on it. 20 minutes in the sauna at 200 degrees and it's like the first five minutes you're like oh this feels so nice and then the next five minutes you're like all right yeah this, this is uh, pretty hot and then the last yeah. 10 minutes you're just dying. And it's just like this mm-hmm. fountain of water dripping off your nose. But yeah, yeah I'm mean, good to know. Like he, I I can survive through some uncomfortable times.
1: Yeah. It was weird. Like the, his, his tub was, you know, I don't know, 35 degrees
2: or whatever. And I mean, I was like head first diving in there.
0: <laughs> oh, when, when you come
2: out of the sauna yeah. and into the cold tub, there is nothing better. There is no better feeling than, coming from like a 200 degree room and just diving into a cold tub but just vice versa too getting back into the sauna but
1: but just that kind of stuff like i want to put myself in uncomfortable spots and you know i look at like oh man i have to go you know practice today for my career it's like man i did all that like this is nothing yeah like like, wo- woe is me. I have to go practice, you know, being really good at golf. Like, no one's feeling bad for me. And I- I'm not going to go and try to feel bad for myself. I just think that, you know, I just and I try to be around people that are way better at me and a lot of other things and try to learn from them. And, you know, just having a relationship like that to try to, it's like, he's like, really, you want to do a weight cut? It's like, yeah, I just want to feel what that feels like.
2: Yeah.
0: What, what is he? He's, um... like,
1: he's like, that's probably why. We're, we're,
0: no go, ahead, Scrap. no, go ahead, Scott. No, go ahead.
1: It's like, you know, this probably while we're friends. And yeah. so, so the so the best example, uh, not to cut you off there, Matt, but, you know, we were talking about some of the stuff through this quarantine that we've never done. So we wrote down all these things we were going to do. We're going to do like a workout the first week, and then we're going to do it like every couple of weeks and kind of see how much better we got at it. So we did some workouts. We're like, all right, let's do this and let's do that. And, you know, I was like, man, we should run a half marathon. So, uh, the the baseball guy and I have been running quite a bit, and the UFC guy's like, all right, we're gonna. I only run three miles. That's all I run. Like, awesome, man. That's that's what that's what you want to do. So he would come run three miles with us, and he would turn at mile and a half. He would turn around wherever we went. So we had this plan the entire time. We were going to go run a half marathon on this day. I had a route planned out. We were going to do this about five minutes before we're getting ready to go he calls like where are y'all like we're here he's like oh i went to the wrong park i'm going like man you you've, you've never run yeah. more than three miles in your life he's like there's no way i'm gonna let you guys i'm gonna train with you guys six days a week and have you guys do this and me not do it with you <laughs> and it's like that's probably why we're friends because yeah. we're all lunatics and <laughs> i think you got to have people like that, that just, a glutton,
2: just a glutton yeah, for just, the suffering
1: yeah just like man i'm gonna go suffer i'm probably gonna hate you guys through the whole part of it at six miles in he's like i need new friends i hate you guys like thankfully (laughs) thankfully i'm so tired like i i I can't fight you but if i could i would kill you um but just things like that and we got through it and and it was fine i I get a ton of grief because i i use this programming thing to plan the route out and i mapped the road instead of the trail they're a lot different if you've ever done that so i mapped the road and it was just under 14 miles well the trail was seven like 17 and a half
0: (laughs) (laughs) you missed the mark there
1: (laughs) yeah we, we we finished we finished we got through it i've still never heard the end of it that was like three weeks ago and (laughs) <laughs> uh, but it is what it is, but uh, just stuff like that. Like you got to find people around you. No matter what you do, you got to find people out and they're going to push you to get better. And yeah. you know, I've been very fortunate to have those guys in my life.
0: I want to ask you a little bit about the road in general. now you're about to get back at it. And you know, you said that you're about to embark on a 11 out of 13 mm-hmm. week stretch. You know, I'm a road warrior. I travel a lot, I travel every week. Um, so I, I, sort of know a little bit of, of it, but um, what is that like? Um, uh, and I do, I have some questions about sort of team when it comes to that too, but what's it like to travel like that? You know, you're now, do you invest in six weeks away never come home? Uh, that's, you know, physically grueling, mentally tough family separation. Um, you know, when, you know, and Matt, like when they go like Sunday, the tournament's over, you know, Monday is the start of the next tournament from a practice round perspective. And there's a thing in the golf tournament world there. If they don't play in the pro am they get thrown out of the golf tournament. It's a requirement <laughs> of them as a tour pro to play in the program. And it's how they raise money. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's the charitable part of the event.
0: So they do it, that. W- and which is you know, the whole
1: thing in itself.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you've got to play with three, four guys that could be the worst <laughs> players in the world. And you're like trying to be a pro and get ready for a tournament. But so it's like a seven day commitment essentially, right? Six days. But you know, what's that like?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it, you know, as you know, Matt was saying he did, you know, four years ago, it's different than it is now. I mean, it's the same thing for me. You know, I travel differently than I used to. My family traveled with me for the last seven years, um, basically probably 90% of the time. Now, predominantly now that my son's in school, I travel by myself a decent bit. Uh, You know, I have a different set of priorities, you know, now outside of golf, like, you know, sleep and recovery is important, diet and nutrition is important, training is important. So I, I basically, I know golf is, is is what it is in terms of like when I go to the course and I do this and that, but I want to have as much control as I possibly can outside of that. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I stay in a lot of houses, uh, Airbnb, HomeAway, whatever you want to say and, you know, try to figure it out so I can maximize, you know, my op- my time off the course to make sure I'm ready to go when it is. But a lot of it's trial and error. A lot of it's experience and understanding like what works best for me. Um, I, I Like when I go West coast, uh, I always go probably. So for instance, we go our first tournaments in Dallas. That's a one hour time difference. So I'll go Monday morning, super early uh, and, and get there and have plenty of time through the day. I'm f- one hour doesn't bother me at all but that West coast, the three hour the long travel day and everything, I'll go at least a day or two earlier than I normally would just purely, just purely to get acclimated and, and kind of go in, get off the plane, go run, go do something to kind of get going and then slowly but surely kind of get where this is normal. Mm -hmm. And then that all comes with experience. Everyone has a bunch of different ways how they do it and it's not necessarily wrong or right. It's just what they feel like is truly best for them. And, um, I've seen a bunch of different. I've made a ton of mistakes. Um, I've learned from a lot of different guys that have done it a lot longer mm-hmm. than I have. But but honestly, it's about maximizing your your prep time. As far as when you're ready for when Thursday, when your name's called, you mm-hmm. go from there.
2: Like the the things you have picked up over the years to help help you travel, help you recover. Like, do you do you play those cards pretty close to the chest or? Like, are you fine talking about them?
1: No, I'm very fine talking about them. I'm, I think that, you know, I'm not an expert. Um, I have a lot of people that are close to me that are significantly better in a lot of aspects <laughs> from a health standpoint, from a training standpoint, from a, and I by no means got to this point by myself. And, mm-hmm. um, but I know what is the biggest point for me um, is just, Understanding my body, and you know what, just like I was saying about practice and prep, as far as this off time to get ready, the same thing goes in a tournament week. Like I know what I need to do. My hips, I need to know. what I need to do. You know, from a golf swing perspective, I need to know what I need to do. From a practice perspective, but from a body standpoint, sleep is a, a huge priority. I'm trying to wake up and go to bed at the same time. I have some friends of mine that I, we rent some rent some houses with, and they laugh. It's like eight thirty. It's like man i might not play till two o'clock the next day and they're like scott's gone 8 yeah. 30 or it'll be like 8 eight forty-one. and my buddy's like what are you doing man like i was like i ah, mean you know I, you know it's kind of just a general time especially when it's something later in the day but um just knowing you know how i'll respond well and from a supplementation standpoint my wife laughed at me last night uh you know, through the last few weeks, you know, not by any means have eaten just like a glutton, but, you know, been training super hard and, you know the diet has not been as tight as it would normally be. I've started pulling out the stuff the last week or so, you know. The shake at night, you know, mm-hmm. the, uh, the just kind of the supplementation routine through the training and the practice and just kind of the long days. She's like, here we go. Yeah. And it's just like clockwork, just like you were saying about packing your bag and getting into the gym. It's like I pulled it all out. And it's like when that stuff comes out, it's like the reality steps in is all right, we're going back to work. Yeah. And this is what that looks like. And I, I rely a lot on routine, and that's a big part of it.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: have, you have, um, you know, and Matt can relate to this. I think it's a little different in both your worlds, but um, you know, the, the games athletes have a pretty good relationship collectively. They don't necessarily train a whole lot together, um, you know, because they're so competitive. But I think golf is unique in that matter. And we've seen a lot of that emerge, especially in the last five years with some of you know, the top players in the world, you know, vacationing in the Bahamas together and being so close. And but you guys help each other out like with putting strokes and swings, like is is that more stuff that you see stick out in the media because, um, you know, there's these isolated incidents or is that very common? Are you guys all kind of helping each other out? You know, people have talked about, you know, I mean, God, Rory McIlroy speaks of everybody that's helped him with putting that are other players that he's competing at that week. You know, is that a thing or is that just like isolated incidents?
1: That's definitely a thing. I mean, I've got some guys that, um, one of my closest friends on tour is a guy named Scott Brown. He's from Aiken, South Carolina, and, you know, he's in a similar boat to me. Like, his family's traveled with them. Our kids are roughly the same age, and we went on a trip, basically a couples trip with him in December, and he's like, all right, man, you know, I'm trying to do everything he can to, like, get him away from the golf course, and he's trying to, like – I said, man, I can help you with some golf stuff if you can help me with training. I mean, dude's lost like 25 pounds, like writing his own program, like, you know, kind of getting him going, understanding like mm-hmm. the difference in, you know, from strength days to metabolic conditioning, just to, to the whole understanding of how to just take one workout and make it look 10 different ways. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Just a, just a programming mm-hmm. and and it's been really cool to kind of see the the transitioning going. And I mean, the guys that I let speak into my life about my, my golf game are are small but they have unfettered access and they can go in and say man you you're you look really bad at this right now you know what's going on <laughs> maybe you're aware of it maybe you're not but i mean the same thing they would let me speak that into them now there's few guys like i can care less like so what if that guy looks really bad over it? i'm not gonna say anything but the guys that I'm super close with, I, mean, I call, I see something on TV, even in an event I'm not playing. It's like, why are you doing that? You look awful. You know, maybe you think about doing this. It's like, man, I had no idea. Like, especially <laughs> the guys that that you play a lot of practice rounds with, and same thing, man, you're training with a guy a lot. You kind of know their tendencies and know what they're looking at, and you know, start to see ways to kind of help them improve and and maybe some things that they're unaware of and they can't necessarily see with their own eye and kind of point it out, but. Uh, you know, I'd say most guys are fairly cordial. Say some guys aren't necessarily go out of their way. I mean, it's not necessarily a a secret, like, man, there's 18 holes in the ground. We're all playing the same thing. It's just who can go out there and execute the best. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the same Matt, the workouts, the same for everyone. It's just, who's going to go out there and execute the workout that day to the best. Like, it's not some like rocket science here. Um, And I've,
2: I've always, I've always chalked it up in the crossfit spaces. To uh, that, none of the competitors have physical contact against each other. So, like, I, I remember like playing football in high school. Like, I, we were never competitive or anything, but like, there, there were certain teams. Like, one guy gets a cheap shot on your quarterback or something like that, and then it just the resentment builds, and it's like, oh, we're gonna get them back, and you hit them with the cheap shot, and then just boom, boop, 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 and then there's a huge team rivalry, and everyone hates each other. Whereas with what we do in competing, well, we yeah, we're all doing the same workout. We're all doing them at the same time, but his performance has no effect on my performance and there's no cheap shots or anything. So it's it's pretty hard to build up like a resentment or like get to a point with another competitor where you're kind of at each other's throats, you know? Um, so I, I yeah, that's yeah. interesting to hear with, with kind of your world that it's kind of similar.
1: Yeah, it's very similar in, in regards to like, I mean, you may have like a a one-off every now and then where there's a personal incident that happened that, you know, for whatever reason. Oh, of course.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely, people always ask me like, you know, who's the hated person in CrossFit? Who's the most loved person? All this stuff. And it's like, you know, there's going to naturally be like little groups of guys or girls or whatever that just get along for whatever reason, you know, they've spent more time together cause they share sponsors. So they travel. So they've gotten to know each other over the years, you know uh, you know, when regionals was a thing, you know, they, they always saw each other at regionals every year. So they spent more time there, you know, there, there's going to be friendships throughout there. And then there's going to be the people that just for whatever reason, just rub someone the wrong way. And it's not that one person did anything wrong. It's just like, you just, kind of see how they conduct themselves in an interview and you're like oh no don't like that person um but there's really no one that it's like where everyone just like you know just it's a mutual agreement between everyone where they're like yo we hate that guy
1: yeah it's not really a thing yeah i'd say you know a lot of that for us has to do with the media and man i just don't deal with any of that stuff i I could I, I, i could I understand that you know they they serve a purpose but when it comes to like individuals like this is the black sheep of the tour this and that's like man like that's that's one of the 150 best golfers in the world like the the point of how he's gotten himself to that like should be worth enough you know what he chooses to do with his on the course or off the course antics that's up to him but you Mm -hmm. know kind of from a competitor and uh a, a fellow players perspective i think there's always a level of respect to like if you've gotten to set yourself to this spot like you know we've all earned it it wasn't given to any of us and i think that that yeah. whether you love or hate someone there's always there will always be the level of respect just because we've all earned the spot to get to where we are
0: yeah yeah right <clears throat> well, i, I Matt will laugh at this. Um, I've described myself as as a caddy often, you know, or like in any type of documentaries or, you know. Be, and by the way, like it is funny, but it's literally what my relationship with Matt in competition is. You know, I towel him off a little, encourage him, whisper uh, something, I mean, it's, it, hit a I good shot. Because,
2: because you you have you have my coach's band at every competition, so he's in the up area with me and stuff. And so people have asked like, "Oh, are, are you Matt's coach?" And he's like, "Ah." Like, technically, yes, but no, not at all. <laughs> He's like, like oh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guy that carries a gym bag, gets a Gatorade, you know. <laughs> I call myself Fluff,
0: the Fluff of CrossFit. So, <laughs> but the caddy relationship is an important one in golf. Um, you know, it's, uh, I've actually caddied a little in some stuff for friends that are far better than me at golf. Um, but that, um, you know, speak to that a little, like, what's that mean? What does a caddy mean to you? You're, you know, and I, that's why I relate it so much to Matt. It's like, you know, you know, it's a, it's probably a mental job. It's a, you know, a support job and there's a lot that goes into it. Right. But like you're hitting the shots and you're making the decisions. Like what, what, what's that relationship like for you? I know it is for different for others, but I know it's an important one es- essentially to everybody's success in, in the game of golf.
1: Yeah, I mean, my caddy, we've been together for a while, and I mean, he just has unfettered access to say what he wants and he wants. But also, he's the the guy that if he puts steps in there and makes a mistake, he'll be the first person to own it. I said, man, like, you can make the biggest mistake in the world, and if you own it, and you truly had my best intent or our best, mm-hmm. like, and that was your intention, like, you're never going to get a ill word for me. But the fact that if a guy tries to shy away, like those guys aren't going to last very long, especially when you start dealing with, I mean, we're the margin of error that we have and the difference between winning a tournament and finishing 30th is nothing mm-hmm. minuscule and understanding that as far as just every decision that you make throughout a tournament. It, you know can just be can be magnified in, in positive or negative and just could be that you know major major turning point you know throughout an event and it's the caddy's job to kind of have the the wherewithal to know when to speak and kind of when to back it off and and go from there but i did a thing on my caddy uh a few weeks ago as far as just to people just striving for content and and stuff about the tour so i had to tell some stories about him and he lives in dallas his name's john he's a great guy. And um, his, you know, we st- started working and kind of get back into it and get a great week of prep and working way into it. And just for whatever reason, got off to a horrible start in the tournament. And I, I bogeyed the first four holes of the event just like out of nowhere. It's like, wow, man, just like punching in the face. Like at a- we're walking to the fifth tee and he said, man, you think we've given the tournament enough of a break? <laughs> 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 and, and just that one moment I go and I, I like I, I go the fifth hole make some birdies end up shooting under par for the day and I mean in that moment I'm just looking for like what in the world's going on here I'm like three putting and you know missing greens with wedges and doing all this just like just making mistakes left and right and in that one little moment kind of stepping in is like you think we've given him enough of a break so far he said let's go show him what you're made of and just that flip up playing great the rest of the day and just knowing the time to step in. And, and that's truly what, what makes guys really great, their job and invaluable to what they can do. All this talk, as far as guys, you know, golfers are going to go out there without their caddies is, I mean, could I play without my caddy? hundred percent. I'd be, I'd be fine. But am I going to be better with them? No doubt. And um, that, that whole relationship is, it, there's a lot more that goes into it than everyone sees him as just a bag carrier. The fact that he carries a bag for a living is literally as far as a job requirement is like a hundredth on the list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just something that happens. You have to have a bag and you have to have clubs. That is just something that goes along with it. Everything else goes with a lot of our personality and how we interact with each
0: other. Mm-hmm therapist right the the um <laughs> yeah like on, the, on from a tour, like one of the things i want to get to you know uh is you know being a tour pro right i think you know this it's funny i make a lot of analogies with golf and crossfit and where crossfit may be able to go at some point right cuz it's a, you know a sport individual this sort of this tour forming with you know events around the globe is a big crowning event Um, you know, what's it like behind the curtain? Like it's a player's tour, right? So, you know, you guys essentially in some way, shape or form, Jay Monahan runs, you know, he's your guy that helps advise and and operate it for you. But, you know, the tour is a player's tour, right? So the players sort of gain membership and run the tour. Like explain, you know, what does that mean? And like, you know, is there, you know, I guess even like deeper into it, like I know a little bit about, about educate people at retirement, like, you know, it's cuts made. And, you know, how does that, how does all that stuff work? You know, because CrossFitters are really interested in this now, like what's next and how do we evolve as a sport? And I read a lot about this um, because I think it's a really cool platform and how it's been established.
1: Yeah. I mean, they had a bunch of really smart guys, way smarter than me at the beginning to determine, um, just as far as to make it basically the the players own the tour and you know, we're all kind of in together and, you know, the, the vesting strategy in retirement and retirement and how it goes. I mean, I was fully vested in my retirement at 26 and I mean, I'm 35 now. Um, how I'm do just, you do yeah, that? Day. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, five years of 15 events. It's kind of like in baseball service time. In football, games played, uh, years played, you know, I'm not sure how NHL and NBA go about, it, but I know it's a similar term and how long the guy, the individual athlete, has played. But I was 26. I had won twice on tour, so multiple winners, uh, more than five years on tour, 150 cuts made. There's all these different vesting strategies in order to kind of get you to the ultimate to go into it and and determine how that goes into. It just what happens when you stop playing and you know the fedex cup has been a huge part of that and the fedex cup bonus and and everything that comes along with you know, You kind of look at the end of the year and like man it's an incredible opportunity that we have to play on tour and with the new tv rights and everything that's taking place it's only going to get better and you know uh, in order for for golf to go in that you know, to be considered a, a main five sport, the argument was in 2015 Jordan Spieth had the greatest financial year on the golf course of any golfer in history, and he made half of what Ben Roethlisberger made, who went eight and eight, and missed the playoffs.
0: <laughs> and that's it's, awesome.
1: Like, I mean, this guy. Like, I mean, Jordan, in terms of just uh, on course performance. As and that was the best that it has ever done, and he made half of a guy that you know went five hundred, yeah. and that's not Ben Roth I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is, is one player, but that's just a, a saying. Of he was at the time, he was the highest paid player in the league in, in NFL, and Jordan made half of what he made, and that was the best year in professional golf financially on the course. So the idea, as far as we just want our our athlete, our number one guy to be in, in the compare, in the conversation as far as highest paid in every sport. And mm-hmm. it's going to be a process to kind of get it there, but it's definitely trending in the right direction. And we've got a lot of good partners in the tour that's going to make that happen. But the business aspect of golf is incredibly diff- different than a lot of people think. We're all independent contractors. We all have our own sponsors. We all have our own ways to generate income outside of just playing. Our brand is a big part of it. And the partners that we align ourselves with is a big part of it as well so um yeah it's, I mean, there, I mean, there, there's a lot that goes into it
2: the same same as across the space except there's nothing for for retirement
0: <laughs> yeah well i i think it one of the fascinating things and, and i don't know how involved you guys are i know you have representatives is how much tweaking goes on i mean the tour and i'm reading a book funny enough um, about it by uh dean beam have you read this book
1: no, we we've been indoctrinated with Dean Beeman and Tim Fincham and now Jay Monahan. So yeah, it's, uh,
0: Jay's from my general area. He's a Winchester kid. I'm from Danvers. Uh, we play at competing clubs, Sound Country Club and Winchester Country Club. So, uh, interesting. I, I know, I know, you're a Massachusetts guy, right? Yeah, Worcester, man. That's it. Are you a Red Sox fan?
1: Yeah, I am. I, like I am. This. So, uh, just a new, just a diehard New England sports fan, and I was telling you, my friend that is the Nationals catcher. I wear my Red Sox hat all the time. It's like, surely I can get you a better hat. <laughs> I mean, t- I, I tell you know a guy that can get me a better one, this is what I'm going with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were you were born in Mass, and then so, and then grew up in Tennessee. So, how, do you still have family here?
1: Yeah, my sister uh, lives in uh, just north of the city, North Reading. So, all wow. my, my family, all. All my, all my mom's side of the family is New England, uh, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, uh, New Hampshire, and Maine—all up the coast. So I have family all over the place. And even though I, I, I didn't live there for very long, I basically spent every summer in uh, my childhood in New England. So there's nothing like a New England mm-hmm. summer, man. Like, oh, that's nothing it. like it. And, the, and yeah. so I, I love it up
0: there. There and uh, there's no, there is an event back here this year. Is that correct? Yeah, the first
1: the, the, the first playoff event is uh, is at TBC Boston, so. Yeah, so yeah, that'll be. I know the weeks have kind of moved around, but that's the first playoff event.
0: Yeah, there. You know what I was getting at is, you know, the tweaking that goes on. Um, you know, if, you know, obviously this, you know, the tour is a long-standing tour. Um, I think the last 15 years it's probably evolved more than it did in the prior 30 in terms of structure and you know I think it's fascinating and off incredible the people the mind the the, the beautiful minds that are behind it I mean last year you took a leap from a fedEx cup that worked so well and completely flipped it on its head and instead of that tournament running independently, now everybody kind of like ran into that tournament. And now like, you know, it, you know, you made the playing field level and then there could be a putt worth 20 million, 10 million bucks. I mean, it's so like, and Matt's probably like roll his eyes. Cause I love golf so much and talk about it, but it's like, I, I to me, like I, I just, I'm fascinated. I'm a sports fan and it's like the NFL, like completely deciding to go in a different direction in it, but it's always worked. And I just like, I think it's like, such a credit to Jay and that team, but the the tour has like evolved so much. So Matt, basically they took the season long and it'd be the equivalent of like ending at the games, but like there were 10 events that ran up to the games and you were given credit for all the, those events. And basically you started, like you would start the CrossFit games with a hundred point lead and then whatever, whatever played out that weekend, the last event, whoever was in front won the whole thing. And the winner got 15 million this year. The second place guy got like, what, eight or 10. So there were putts on the 18th green, the 72nd hole of this tournament championship, uh, the tour championship, that were worth 5 million bucks. And guys have won the Masters, and it's been less impactful financially to them to over a putt. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a career changer. But people were standing over putts. I remember Xander Shoffley was standing over a putt for like 3 million bucks, and people were like, holy
2: cow, what's going on? This is crazy. So it's really cool how they tweak I've 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 sort of been in that situation, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a little tense. But uh Scott, like for those changes for you guys, like I like I just heard O'Keefe say, you know, there's been a ton of changes and they've all seemed to work out. How is it perceived from from the athlete standpoint? Like when the changes get implemented, are you guys like, oh okay, good, good, I see how this is gonna work out? Or it's like when you guys first hear the news, you kind of like, oh, well, what the fuck, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I think from our perspective, we look at it like, you know, thankfully we're not in the spot of what we do, but ultimately we know if you go out there and execute and play, you're like you're going to be rewarded. You know, you know, the biggest thing in, in golf is always play better. Like what's the answer to everything? Play better. Like you want more endorsements? <laughs> play better. You want, you know, you want to retire early? Play better. And that's kind of the mentality of everyone that does what we do for a living is play better. And, you know, you hear some of the changes and some of the understanding. The FedEx Cup was incredibly confusing for a long period of time as far as, like, at one point, a guy won the FedEx Cup before the even the final event was going on. <laughs> no one even thought that was possible. And it, it, it happened. And imagine going to the games and you won and it's over. And you did you hadn't done the first workout.
2: Oh, oh, like he had yeah, won the yeah, FedEx uh, Cup before he even got to the FedEx Cup.
1: To so the finals, yeah, the yeah. finals. So oh, you did wow. those you, you did all those events. Basically, you just dominated through the first however X number of events mm-hmm. and you get and the, the, the games are are, are the version of the FedEx Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you won. You could come DFL in every event. And it's like Matt Fraser champion good job man <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah that's okay let, let's work on that let's get that uh, i like the sounds of that All <laughs> right? i'll bust but my I ass just- all year to coast to coast through the last event any sort of structure in place is
0: going to be the matt fraser rule how do we make sure matt has to compete in the last event
1: <laughs> yeah i just think different things like that um you know ultimately we play a sport that you know, the, the lowest score wins and everything. You know, Rory won the FedEx Cup last year, but, you know, they made a, a statement about, you know, he had it, uh, he won the FedEx Cup and he fist pumped and everything, but he knew he had to make like a, a four footer on the last hole. And all he was telling himself is he had to make that putt to actually win the event, irrelevant of how the, the staggered start was. If he made that putt, he won the event outright, as if everyone started flat. You know, he was going to win the win the FedEx Cup, win the event. But even if everyone started at level par, he was going to win the event, and that was his cool. goal. And I think that's just the competitors, we all want to be in that same mentality. And um, you know, I, I'm yeah, happy. I mean, I'm I've, not, I've, I've I'm done that in that 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 side of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, like I've had a couple times at the games where it's like final event. I already, I was already hit by a hundred points, and then but it's just a competitor comes out of you. Like, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. It doesn't matter that, Hey, you can sit this one out and it's like, all right, well, I'm already here. Like I already got all the best competition. Let's see, you know, and it's just like, you know, just a natural competitor. That's why I'd I'd say probably 99% of the people at the top of their sport, it, it's what they'd be doing. Even if there wasn't a paycheck, you know, they're just natural competitors and they just want to go.
1: Yeah, even even in that final event, you had a two hundred point lead, and you took a knee and went out there and you know laid an egg or whatever. At some point later on, you would go in there and be like, "God, I'm soft," and you just won the games. And but you would be thinking instead of winning the games, you'd be thinking about, "Man, I should have, I should have gone, I should have worn that guy out. I should have well, this." The like- first,
2: the first time, the twenty sixteen games final event, I had already won before the final event. And so I went out there and this is my first time. So I was like, okay, just go slow. Do Get the minimum work requirement done. Take your time. It doesn't matter if you come dead last, get the minimum work. And sure enough, like it was, the workout started with three peg boards. And like, I, I like, I walked up, got my pegs. I'm like, everyone's already halfway up and I'm just getting to the board and I did one, I come down, I'm chalking up, I'm taking my time. And then it was like two minutes into the workout and I went, ah, fuck this. You know, I'm not enjoying this hammer, right now. Yeah, just and, hammer down. And I got to the bar and it was like a 21-15-9 with, with uh, thrusters. And I remember I picked up the bar when the guy in second place, I think he put down the bar and he was at like 11 or 15, one or the other. And, and I remember just having that big like, you know, F this moment and was like, no, this isn't fun. This isn't what I came here for. I came here to like crush souls and dominate. And so I just put the pedal down and I had no reason to, I gained nothing from doing it. I didn't win any extra money. Like, Oh, instead of winning by 200 points, you won by 205. Congrats. No, no one cared. But it was just like, no, that's that's what I do. It's whatever competitor does.
1: Yeah, I think anyone, like just like you said, anyone at that upper echelon, it's like you know you're not going to go out there and just co- and go through the motions. I don't think anyone in that level would. It's like I'm going to go out there and compete, put my best foot forward, and at, I can enjoy it when this is all over. But still, yeah. I came I came to compete in X number of events, and that's what I'm planning on doing. Irrelevant yeah. of whatever is already taking place.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. t- tell us, um, you know obviously what what's next so you're st- you're starting the 11th and um you know you'll play you know x amount of weeks what's the plan do you have um you know are there major championships on your schedule this year are still sort of playing into them so what's the season look like for you this year
1: well just the way that the season is you know the the british open has moved it's canceled for the year the masters and the u.s open are in the fall the rest one is the PGA that's in uh, early August. So a bunch of uh, regular events. We got a couple of invitationals, a couple of world golf events. Um, They're kind of more of an international field. and kind of go along. But uh, for the most part, man, it's a pretty unique year. Um, just like I, I probably average 27, you know, 28 events a, a season. Right now I'm at 10. Like, that's how many events I've played.
2: When and just with everything in the place,
1: everyone's, yeah, that's 28 Damn. weeks on the road. <laughs> yeah. We're endurance athletes, man. Hey, I went and met uh, wow. Chris Henshaw. I went and met Chris <laughs> Henshaw in a workout and uh, met him at the Starbucks in football I was going to Nashville and in Whole Foods in Knoxville where I live. And I was like, hey, yeah. man. I know a lot of people that you know, and i just like totally like who is who is this guy randomly talking to me? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's we, awesome!
1: So we were talking back and forth. I knew my 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 time. I knew my best 500 row. I knew my you know my best 5k. I knew all these numbers in my head, and I'm like, all right, I got ready for him. And the first question he asked me, he said, "How many hours do you stand a day?" I'm like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I just want to know how many hours do you stand a day? I'm like. I have no idea. And he's like, well, just think about it. And I said, well, I think about this. He's like, you're an endurance athlete. I was like, that's the nicest thing ever, was ever, ever said to yeah. me. <laughs>
2: so, but I, just, I mean, Chris is yeah, in a league of his own. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But just the volume of what we deal with, uh, <clears throat> uh, over the course of the season is kind of what he was getting to at his point, point. And, mm-hmm. um, just kind of being ready for that and knowing that, you know, when there's a chance that just with the way the season and the playoffs go, like I could play a lot of golf in a very, very, very short amount of time and just being mentally and physically ready for that. You know, if and when that does take place.
0: Good. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we, um, first of all, thank you for coming on. Um, I probably, you know, I could talk golf with you for days really. <laughs> offline. And you can answer all my silly questions, but no, I really appreciate it. Big fan, have been a long time. Even when you were two sixty five, I used to be that same weight. I went from two fifty to you know one eighty five. I we're, we're we're brothers in that regard. But I um, appreciate you coming on. Uh, great to catch up with you congrats on all your success on the course and off with uh weight loss and you know changing your life through fitness and uh you know wish you the best of luck the rest of the year you got a couple fans here that'll be following and, and rooting you on all the way and hopefully Absolutely. we can get out to see you play uh sometime locally uh maybe when you make it up here to boston this year i'll sneak my way on through the woods even though they won't <laughs> let fans come on
1: yeah that'd be awesome i appreciate it you're a huge fan of what you guys do in the sport of crossfit and just fitness in general and uh you know, hopefully we'll have a chance to do some more here in the future, but I appreciate you guys having me on.
0: We will for sure. Uh, Thank you. you. Scott Stallings from the PGA tour. This is a loud and live sports podcast with Matt Fraser. Thanks for, thanks for listening uh, and uh, have a great day.